Welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims, and today we're joined by the last Admirals player to win the Eddie Shore Award, Charlie, as the yep. best defenseman in the American Hockey League. Sure are, absolutely. And I believe, I was thinking about this this morning, the third member, the third person to come on this podcast that's won a Stanley Cup. That's true. That is true. He's a, a former Admirals defenseman, Eddie Shore winner, and a longtime NHL defenseman, Stanley Cup champion, and now an assistant coach with the Chicago Blackhawks, Sheldon Brookbank. Uh, Brookie, uh, we're looking at each other. It's great to see you. How's everything going? Where are you at right now? Are you back in Saskatchewan? Where are you at? Yeah, well, thanks for that uh, glowing intro, guys. Um, I guess I had one good year in my career, and it was in Milwaukee, but um, I'm in uh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Here I'm in Humboldt, and um, <clears throat> yeah, we're staying up here for for the time being till kind of uh, you know the NHL season and and school and all that gets sorted out down in in Chicago. So living our best life in Saskatchewan, and it hasn't snowed yet. So you're in you're in Humboldt. You're in Humboldt, and I don't want to get turn this into a sad thing, but we all know what happened. Uh, uh, is it two years? It's not quite two years ago. Uh, that this horrible accident happened with the team, the bus accident. And I'm just curious what the mood is around town. You played for this team too, so obviously yeah. it's very uh, near and dear to you. Yeah, it's you know, it's they've they're picking the pieces back up, and that that first year was really hard on the community. You know, I, people just were in shock and disbelief. They didn't know what to do. You know, you had all the tragedy, and your your the billets, you know, didn't know if the, if their kid was going to make it. And it was just a horrible thing. And, and like I said, it took them a while there. It's, it's starting to, it's back to normal now, but it was definitely some dark times there for, for a year. I'm sure your career has always interested me. I am going to give you some inside broadcasting stuff here. Uh, what I do, I put down the number and the name when I'm making my sheets and then I put down current stats and height and weight and then uh, when they were drafted, by who, how many NHL games experience they have, and where they last played amateur hockey, juniors or college, or if it was overseas, whatever it may be. Uh, yours is one of the few that's not WHL, OHL, University of Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, Boston College, whatever. You're, you came from the SJHL and became pro. And I'm curious, uh, how, was that a challenge for you? To, to get noticed in the SJHL when the Western League is right next to you there? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was. Um, I was I was lucky. I was one of those guys who's kind of oblivious to, to a lot of things of how it all worked. I just kind of went out there and played. It's not like I – I definitely paid attention, you know, to who's who and who's what, but I didn't really think too, too far ahead, I guess. I sort of just lived in the moment, and uh, I guess I took a harder route – you know, in that sense, um, by not playing in major junior, but, uh, was that you know, your choice or were you just not drafted or what? Yeah, I wasn't drafted. I was a late bloomer, kind of a late developing guy. And I did have a chance to go to the Western league when I was 19, but I, I decided not to, because I figured if the 20 year old rule, with only three 20 year old, 20 year olds, I'd probably be right back in the SJHL next year, which who knows if that would have happened. I don't know, but that was my thinking. So I kind of just decided to stick it out in Humboldt. It's, you know, it's 25 minutes from where I grew up. So I was a little comfortable like that, you know, living in my little sort of bubble. But, did you um, live at home then? No, I had a billet. Yeah. I don't think I would have made it if I lived at home. I would have, <laughs> my dad, probably, uh, 
had enough of me. You know, I wasn't exactly a model citizen, but um, I, uh, no, I had a billet here and I had some great billets and it was, it was honestly super fun. It was a great little junior town. I still, I still love the town. So I was fortunate enough for it to work out that I got an opportunity. One of the, the way it worked, to be honest with you, is I was playing with Lance Woods and I didn't get the NCAA thing didn't quite happen for me. So Lance Woods, his brother is Bob Woods. Yeah. Which you guys know the coach. Yeah. Not so Hershey, he was coaching. Yeah. Hershey, right. Yeah. And his dad was there watching and stuff a lot. And they kind of got that thing going like, Hey, come bring this guy down here. And so I ended up from Saskatchewan to Mississippi, which is a lot of miles. Oh, difference of <laughs> way of life, but it was awesome. It was great. So I, I started with Bob Woods and that's how I got going. So do you have to be, if you're playing in the, again, just to get noticed, um, and, and scouts are smart enough. If you have talent, they're going to find you eventually. But mm-hmm. when you're playing, did you, I'm sure you had aspirations that you wanted to play professionally and play in the NHL. Do you, do you have the attitude that I have to be the best guy on the ice in this league to, to be noticed? Um, well, I, like you said, I had, I definitely had aspirations to, to go on and every guy and wants you, to play in the NHL. And by the way, by I the never, way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but your brother went the same route, right? Yeah. So that's honestly partly why it was a little easier for me to envision because he, he was sort of on the same path and we were just kind of, we didn't know any better. We we're just kind of, I think had it in our head. We want to, we want to get there somehow. We don't know how, but we're going to just keep trying to get there. So I was never trying to be like the best player. Obviously you are, but I was never like, I'm going to be the, the star of the show, but, I think one of the things that helped me was that I was a little bit had a chip on my shoulder for whatever reason. So even though if I was, you know, playing like on the power play and stuff, I don't know. I just had that, that side of me for some reason that I just was a little bit angry. And I think that's sort of what served me well to help me get noticed along the way. So when you're coming out, you sign uh, in Mississippi of all places. I can't imagine you had ever been to Mississippi uh, before. (laughs) And do you sign how, – how was your first contract? Was that a contract uh, – was Mississippi the affiliate of Grand Rapids? Or were you just – you were an East, you were an East Coast contract and then Grand Rapids said, hey, we need a player, come play for us. Yeah, I was uh, East Coast League contract, uh, 450 a week. I thought I was the richest guy alive. And then um, <laughs> I uh, – yeah, and then I ended up signing on a PTO with Grand Rapids at the end of the year, and then I ended up re-signing with them in the off-season. And um, that's kind of how I got into the Grand Rapids scene there. But I was, and I was actually roommates with my brother my first game in uh, the AHL. We played in Manitoba, which is the closest team to Saskatchewan. So it actually worked out pretty good. There's wow. some good players there. I mean, I'm, lo- I'm just looking quick. Michael Ryder was there for... 20 games. I mean, there's some, there oh, some yeah. our, our team in Mississippi was great. We had Bosherman, Jay Leach, uh, Michael yeah. Ryder, myself. We had a good team. Like we went to the final, we lost in the semis to Simone Gamash, that guy. That's my number. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, we had a really good team. I think Ryder came down and got, <laughs> I don't know how many goals and yeah, it seemed like he scored a game. Yuri Mashevsky is on that team. He played. Oh, yeah. Jeremy, Reb- Jeremy Rebeck, yeah. Yeah, Rebeck another guy who play- Rebeck played, played for yeah. us. Yep, Mashevsky, who's from was born in Milwaukee but didn't grow up here, played, I think, four oh, yeah. or five games for the Admirals. Yeah. Uh, how was your experience down in Mississippi? It's not a traditional hockey market, but uh, uh, 
obviously a very good team. So you must have had a decent experience. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I learned an early lesson about playing volleyball in the pool and then putting your shoulder pads on the next day with a sunburn. That's not a good thing. <laughs> but um, from a, a pasty white guy from Saskatchewan who hadn't seen the sun in a while. But uh, um, yeah, no, it was a great experience. And it was funny. I was talking to Jay Leach. He's, he's coaches in Providence now. And yeah. He reminded me how when we're in Mississippi, we wouldn't have ice for the first like three days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there'd be no ice in the rink and there's nowhere to skate because they, I don't know, they had other things or they'd take it out. Or the, and so we would have to just go to the gym. We wouldn't even practice. We, our player assistant coach would run spin classes and we'd lift <laughs> weights and we that's all we'd do. And I didn't even really think much of it because I was so new. I didn't know how it really Yeah, worked. you probably, hey, this is how all pros. Well, all think, pros about that. think about that now. Think about that with, with you and, and Jeremy Colleton, if that's how you had to run the business in Chicago nowadays. Yeah, go to Soul Cycle on Monday and no practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I assume that meant that even if you played, if you played back to backs Friday, Saturday, that you were practicing Sunday, no matter what, because you knew you didn't have ice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. You take whenever the ice was there. I think you practice. That's how it kind of worked. And, but yeah, it was great. You go to the rink and flip flops and then you, we all lived in these apartments with the swimming pool and we had fun and it was, we were a dual affiliate with the Citad Quebec Citadels and Springfield. So, we had some good players and guys who were trying to move up. So it wasn't just a complete, let's just go have fun. And who cares? It was like, let's, we're going, we're moving up to the AHL is what everyone's attitude was. So you spend uh, a season in Grand Rapids uh, and then you head over to Cincinnati and you're part of two teams that are also very intertwined in Admiral's history. Um, <laughs> And you played really. You played with a, a guy in the, in 0304 in Cincinnati, Ilya Brzgalov, who is known as one of the great characters in the game. Just talk a little bit about what it was like to play with him. Uh, and I assume he was just like he is on TV now. I got to believe it was that and more in the locker room. Yeah, he was. He was quite a character, and he's he's kind of what uh, you think. You know, he's thinks on a different level than the rest of us, but. Um, he was a really talented goalie and we'd always do these things in practice. Uh, we had Josh Gratton there and he didn't believe us that Brzgalov was a, was an excellent goalie. And we're like, okay, you don't think he's a good goalie? We're like, go chirp him and tell him that you're going to score 10 goals on him today in practice and go tell him that right now. So he went and told him that Gratton didn't score a goal in practice for the rest of the year. I don't think. <laughs> so. <laughs> motivation was always the thing with Brisgallov. If you could motivate that guy, he could take you pretty far. And, uh, well, yeah, he was a very talented goalie, but so you never are, knew what he was. Doing. At Cincinnati, is, an, are, is are you on, at that point, are you on an AHL deal or are you, is that, is that an NHL deal that you're on? Yeah, no, that was an NHL deal that I got with the so, Ducks. So that yeah. was my first, my first deal. So that was a big moment for me. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I was looking at the roster of the 0405 team. I mean, it's just, it's stacked, right? It's mm -hmm. every guy that goes on to win the, Sta uh, the uh, uh, Stanley, I almost said Calder Cup, the Stanley Cup with uh, Anaheim in whatever year that was, 07. 07. Uh, but it's got Getzloff and Perry, and I mean, it's, it's really quite a team. So those, those were talented, really talented teams. Uh, that you were playing on those two years. 
Yeah, they were. And we, you know, we kind of realized that when we were there, but we knew we were like two years down the road, we would have been one of the best teams in that league. We were just a little bit too young to kind of get over the hump and we run, ran into, you know, the the pesky Milwaukee Admirals and they were, that was a tough one to get by there. But um, yeah, we were just a young team, but it was really fun. That, that lockout year is one of the best because, you know, nobody was competing to get called up and everyone just was there together as a team. So that was definitely some memorable times there in Cincinnati. You know, we've, we've had a few guys on from that era and we get differing views on what they thought about, about the lockout. Some guys say it was great because there was no pressure and other guys were, are like, there was just no motivation. There was because, no carrot, yeah. So who cared, right? There was, it was almost like a, a wasted season, if you will. But you're on the side of there was no pressure. There's no jealousy on the team for this guy's getting called up or that guy's getting called up. It was just a better it, – it, it, it was more fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely a, a year that uh, uh, most of us guys on Cincinnati really remember just because of like what you said play as a team. Nobody's jealous of anyone. Let's just go out there and do our job and enjoy the game. How was Cincinnati as a city? I've, uh, I've been to since I've only been to Cincinnati a few times, but every time I thought this is great. And the, and the Cincinnati yeah. gardens was, it's, it was fashioned after the Montreal gardens, right? Uh, Maple leaf gardens. Yeah. No, Cincinnati was, um, yeah. Maple leaf gardens. Yeah. So. It's Not actually before. a nice little town. Yeah. It was a good spot. We had, uh, you know, we, everyone lived together in like a kind of a trendy area the one year and um, it was a great spot. The gardens was a little bit of a, a dumpy place, but it also had character. You know, the fans could yell at you because you had to cross between your, your workout room, change room to the dressing room. You had to walk through like a hallway. So if you weren't playing good, the fans would stand there and kind of give you the gears a little bit, but um, it was a good town for sure. And Cincinnati, I believe, had the dollar beer on Fridays, maybe. And so, got, so they would stack beer cans along the glass and see how high they could get it before, yeah. uh, before a guy came barreling into it. And it was, uh, uh, you know, it was sort of what you would, sort of what you'd expect. I, I think that's right. Is that is that correct? Do you remember that? Yeah, that that does sound familiar. Yeah, it does. It's like they were they were trying anything to just get people in the stands. There, I think, is what it was. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, you could stack up the Skyline Chili and put, yeah. that, on, put that on the wall <laughs> yeah. and let everybody jump into that. So um, let, uh, uh, I was just going to say, let's let's go over uh, a pair of Game 7s with uh, opposite results for Admirals fans. So the first year, you guys are up – when I say you guys, it's Cincinnati's up 3-1. And uh, I, I shouldn't say Game 7s. Let's just go give your general thoughts on the series – you guys are up at 3-1, and the Admirals were the best team in the, uh, in the league during the regular season, uh, and it comes down, and, and, and the Admirals come back. What are your thoughts? What do you remember about that series? Yeah, that was a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure I remember. Is that the one when Jay Henderson threw in that little, like, sinker? Yeah. Sinker in overtime? I just remember right. that was, like, game five. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that I was like, oh, boy. We're like, the, this, now we – now we're in one here kind of thing, you know, like it's, he's kind of like on a line change and he threw this sinker ball in there and it just found a way in. And, and um, I just remember, cause we were, we were a good team. We obviously knew Milwaukee was the better team, had a little more high end talent, but we were just like a hardworking team. I think we grinded our way in through like a survivor series or something like that. Against yeah, right. Like Houston. The, right. The best of three series. Yeah. yeah the survivor we series. Little best of three. So we were just fighting for every inch we got and here, you know, we're up three, one. And then uh, that sinker ball goes in and 
and now it becomes a series. And then I can't remember how game six went, but I remember game seven, it was over before it even started is what yeah. I remember about game seven. I'll, I'll, I, what I remember about game six of that series is I think it was tied early in the game or, and the Admirals go down five, uh, go uh, commit two penalties. So it's five on three for Cincinnati. And I, at that point had sort of just, I resigned myself like, well, this just isn't going to be our year. You, Cincinnati's yeah. going to score and that's going to be it. And the Admirals killed off the two minutes of five on three. And, and then it was sort of, it, 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 we sort of rolled from there. But like you said, game seven, yeah. it, it wasn't really close. No. And was that, that was your Milwaukee one, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so was it were we the was Cincinnati the like the toughest series or what that's like, yeah, that order went seven, six, five, four, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Jeez, it hurts even more. <laughs> <laughs> we did we wouldn't have had the talent to win the whole thing, I don't think, but um yeah, definitely had some good battles with the Admirals. That's probably why they brought me in after yeah. the fact. Well, well yeah. I I I mean uh, all those guys that play for the Admirals that win the Calder Cup are not all of them, but many of them are back two years later when you joined the Admirals. So it's yeah. the Haydars, it's Gamash, it's Fiddler. Yeah. Fids was up in the NHL for most of the year. Lawson. But Klaassen. Greg Zanin. Yeah, Greg yeah. Zanin. Zanin. All those guys. Uh, yeah. But I think before we get there, let's, we, we got to, you know, sort of address the monkey in the room, not for you, but uh, the next year, same thing, same two teams. And you, like I was saying before, you guys have this stacked team. Uh mm -hmm. And uh, and you beat the Admirals in a game seven. Tell us, tell us what you what you remember about that uh, about that game and that series. Well, same same type of thing, you know, just two teams that did not like each other, and um, you know, going at it head to head. And it was Popovic's uh, seeing eye shot, and I remember we walked into uh, the rink one day, and and we saw the the Admirals were lined up along the red line taking these long shots on. I think it was Finley and that they're taking all these long shots on there. And we're kind of like, what are they doing? Does this, this guy struggle with long shots or what's going on? I don't know. So next thing you know, a new game plan for the Cincy Ducks, shoot the puck from far if you can. And I think Popovic kind of threw one out where he wouldn't really shoot it from and from distance. And it just knuckled its way in. And, uh, and we, we sort of got a little bit of a phony win, but I think it was a little bit of payback from the year before. What do you – do you remember – were you watching when that happened? Where were you? Because it was a total line change. Everyone was going to change. Popovic, a, a defenseman, is the only guy in the zone, right? Typically, yeah. he'd probably throw it behind the net, but he puts it on net, it goes in. Yeah. I can't remember. I must have been on the bench. I think I think if you – now that you mentioned I think I was, like, changing, kind of coming off, looking what's going on, and then all of a sudden, boom, here we go. It's over. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, there was some good memories against the Admirals. But then uh, you get a call to to join the Nashville Predators Milwaukee Admirals organization. So, uh, what? How difficult was that choice, or was it an easy choice? What were your thoughts at that time in the summer of '05? Yeah, I think I remember. Uh, you know, had a few teams interested, and then uh, Ray Shiro ended up calling me and yeah. had a great conversation with him, and um, you know, kind of laid it out for me of you know what they think and you know where I could fit and. So, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for the Admirals, you know, having, you know, played against them so many times and, you know, the quality of players and coaching that they had there. So I, I jumped on it. I went there and it was a little, you know, is it awkward? around in the dressing room. The first I was going to say, days. is it awkward at the, at the start? <laughs> yeah. And it was, 
yeah, you just, you know, you see guys that you've just went at it with and, you know, you've talked garbage to and whatever, and it, and nobody holds a grudge, you know, really, but it's like, you're still just kind of walking in there and you're not, I'm not coming in there, you know, with my, my, uh, loud, uh, loudspeaker or anything and talking to everyone. I'm just kind of <laughs> feeling it out, seeing how it is. And, you know, guys like Hadar and that are really, we're really welcoming guys, you know, to, Kind of just I used because I used to go after him all the time because obviously he's the best player but you know right. a guy like that comes up to you and kind of just breaks the ice and then you sort of move on and then you end up becoming good friends with them and I end up you know rooming with them and stuff like that and um so yeah we got over it pretty quick and then then we ended up having a good team there as well, well so how did how did you think uh, did did it work out immediately as you thought because you come in you're a right shot defenseman obviously you got NHL contract you got aspirations there. And then here's Shea Weber, here's Kevin Klein, here's, you know, yeah. both playing the side that you're playing on. Did, did you yeah. think, oh boy, I, you know, this isn't the right team for me or was it, was it always okay? I was still fine with it. I, 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 I was still gunning for the NHL obviously, but I, I kind of knew that I was like, I knew where I fit. I, I could, you know, I could see Shea Weber, a beast, you know, kid with a shot. Like I knew he's the prospect and, Klein was an elite skater. So I knew how it worked that I'd have to like, just put in my time and continue to improve in order to get my chance. And I honestly didn't let it get to me too much. You know, no. you always want to make it. And um, I think my second year is where I sort of flipped the switch and just kind of just cleared everything out of my head and just started to play, play was hockey that, how I wanted. Why, to play why, why, why is that? What, just because you were comfortable in your surroundings, he was, you maturity it was I don't know why was that yeah it was a bit of that and it was I think in in Anaheim I didn't get any preseason games so that kind of chapped me up I always wanted a preseason game and then Milwaukee I get a preseason game so I think I'm getting close and then I you know like you said some other guys get their chances and I never really got my chance so then I kind of was like you know what I don't really care what anyone thinks anymore if I if they don't like the way I play, I'm like, I'm just going out and I'm playing the game how I think I should play it. And that's it. I'm, yeah. That's kind of what I did. I, it wasn't like, whatever, I don't care. It was like, I don't care what people think anymore. I'm not going to put pressure on myself to do anything. They have me ranked here. Fine. I'm just going to go play. And then it actually was like a weight off my shoulders. And, um, and it did help me. I ended up having a good training camp. And I'll never forget it was, you know, Barry Trotz pulled me in partway through camp and I thought I was in trouble like I had a bad fitness test or they saw me having a beer at lunch I don't know I thought I was in trouble and um he went in there and he's kind of like how do you think your training camp's going and I'm like oh, I think I'm doing okay and he's like well I think you're doing really good he's like I think you can play in the NHL one day and it was like to hear that from him was a big shot of confidence for me and that was kind of the you know, that was the year I sort of took off as a player. And it was my, my confidence really got a boost from that for sure. And he didn't have to say that. So that was important to me. Is that the worst question you can get from a coach? How do you think you're doing? Or is that, is that something you employ now? Well, I should do that. Cause Claude used to do that to me all the time. Claude, <laughs> exactly. Be like, how do you think you played last night? I'm yeah. like, Oh, I thought it was good. He's like out of five. I'd be like, Oh, four. I was like, no, 3.5. He's like, yeah, we don't give half points. I had you. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we're uh, uh, we're definitely going to ask that. about that because every guy says that. Like everyone's like, gets the uh, "How's your game last night?" Uh, question from Claude, and every it's just like, uh oh, here we go. 
I can't say four. I can't say two. Um, <laughs> right. You gotta, you gotta go in the middle. Yeah. There's less, less, uh, you know, you're not going to drop that much if you, yeah. if you say a three. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> that, that club, that was my first year with the team, that 05, 06 season. And I, I think of the defensemen and I mentioned three of you guys and Greg Zanin and Rick Barry came in and Nathan Lutz played 70 yeah. games. And uh, Ryan Parent was a first round mm-hmm. pick who came in for the playoffs. And Steve Lindgren was a guy who played every playoff game except for the last, I mean, it was just stacked. It was unbelievable yep. to watch that team work. Yeah, we had it. We had a lot of good pieces there, and you know, Pekka and the net too. And yeah, it was tough. We had a really good team, and it was. Uh, I mean, to go to the finals like that is just heartbreaking. You know, I, to come up with nothing, having so much fun and having such a good year with that group, it was uh, a tough way to finish. But it was, um, like you said, very talented guys all over the all over the team and um, just a year that a guy will always remember for sure. We've, we've said this before several times, actually in talking with you that uh, um, <clears throat> there was just too much time between game four of the Grand Rapids series and game one of the, of the Hershey series. It may have been different if you could have kept that momentum going rather than waiting two weeks to, to play a game. Yeah, I, I almost felt like we swept two series in that playoffs. Like it's like we yeah. get going and then momentum would get going and stop, and we just yeah, it was definitely tough to keep it going when you have that much time between. It was it was fun being in Milwaukee because it was getting warm out and everything was you know starting to bloom. But it was um, yeah, it's tough to keep that playoff intensity when you have you know nine days off between games. And yeah. in the in those uh, in that we played Hershey in the finals, but it's a game seven. If between Portland, who's where Anaheim went, so all these guys on on Portland's team, you're you familiar with. I bet you would have, you probably would have liked to have a shot at those guys in the finals. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be bittersweet. You'd you'd lose some friends along the way. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they had some good big players there. It would have been a battle with them. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, who who do you play? Who'd you play with that season for the most part? Do you remember? Um. My D partner? Yeah, yeah, your D partner. Who was it? It was always Zan and Klein. I mean, I played with uh, Perrant in the playoffs. In the playoffs? You did. Okay. And Weber. I don't know. He, I must have been playing with Lutz. Must have been me and Lutz. Sure. Could have, very well. Yeah. Could have been you and Lutz for been. sure. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Maybe Rick Berry Lutz is who I'd play with, kind of. Right. Absolutely. And. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so you said Darren Hadar, Hadar was your roommate is it, and you guys live at the Blatz? No, or was that just like for the road? The road, yeah. Okay. Roommate on the road. I lived with, uh, TJ Reynolds at the Blatz is who I lived with. Oh, you did. <laughs> I, I'm remiss. Yeah. I apologize. I didn't throw TJ's name in there too. When I was listing all the defensemen. Oh, yeah. TJ, that was, a, that was, a, that was a good dude. Yeah. He was a good guy. Good, good team guy to have for sure. Yeah. yeah. Hey, wasn't it obviously, he he knew what his role was, and that was to be intimidating, and he was right. Super nice guy, but gosh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make him mad. That's for sure. Yeah, you want him on your side. I I had to fight him the year before somehow. He almost forced me to fight him the year before, and uh, I survived. And I'm like, that's the last time I'm doing that. <laughs> and now you're living with him. Yeah. And then you're living with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was he? Uh, good roommate i mean you know you think about 
guys who can crank it up like that. We always talk about this, right? These tough guys, but they're the biggest sweethearts yeah. off the ice. Uh, yeah. Was he the guy like he was always cleaning up and he was putting a coaster down so you wouldn't get uh, coffee rings on right. the table? He, and he's probably like yelling, Sheldon, why, why, is, why is your sweatshirt on the coffee table here? Come can you, on. Can you yeah. wash the dish that's in the sink? That kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, I didn't, leave, I didn't leave any dirty dishes in the sink, that's for sure. I didn't want any <laughs> altercations. <laughs> that, no, that yeah, next... he... Go ahead. No, he was good. We had a good time. And you, looking back, the apartment your, was clean. You, yeah. You're busy, right? You have family and you have your job and, and all of this stuff. But I'm curious, do you, do you keep in touch or is it something where if I bump into somebody, it's nice, but I don't, we're not on the phone or we're not texting and, and things like that? Yeah, and no, not we're not texting. Just, not necessarily just Milwaukee, but, but anywhere along yeah. the way. There's a few guys like from the, the Cincinnati team that I, I keep in touch with regularly. And a lot of guys, you know, they're just – like I said, you ever run into them and it's, you pick up where you left off and, or they do a Facebook comment or stuff like that. It's like, you know, there's somewhat contact here and there, but uh, yeah. not like I'm texting anyone every day. Yeah. And, well, everybody's and how, got their own thing, right? I mean, yeah, they've, they've, yeah. you've got the job, they've got jobs, families, whatever. Yeah. It's, and, and hockey's a small world. So you're, I'm sure you're running into guys that you played with all the time, right? As a coach yeah. now. Exactly, especially in that Edmonton bubble, I was running into guys left and right. It, I mean, oh, it's God. it's really amazing, and I, I've got to believe you. You think so that you're playing in Milwaukee with a rookie with Pekarene? He's still playing hockey right now, right? Does that blow your mind? Yeah, no, it is funny. Like even just looking at guys that I played against or whatever like that that are still going, it's like can't believe this guy's still playing. But yeah, they're he's still doing it. So good on him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> If it, uh, you could, could you still be playing? Do you think, would you no, have the drive to do it? I, um, you're still, your birthday's coming up, by the way. Happy birthday, but, uh, you're still a young man. It actually just was. Oh, it just, just was, was my okay. birthday. Just turned Saturday. Yeah. I, I, I got my fix. You know what I mean? I, I felt like I had played the, all the hockey I needed to play. I, um, I went to Europe and it was sort of, you know, I was on the downswing and I came back and I played a few games on a PTO in Cleveland and, and that was kind of it. Like I kind of was like, I, I went there, they had injuries. I played till December and John Madden, the former guy I played with was the coach. And he's kind of like, Hey, uh, you know, everyone's back healthy. If we need you again, we'll let you know. And I had a couple of teams call later in the year and I was just like, you know what guys, I'm, I'm good. I got what yeah. I need. I, I don't, I didn't, I would just would have been cheating myself. You know what I mean? You're, so. you're, a, you're, you've obviously turned, you're, you're a successful coach now. At what point in your career did you think to yourself, I'd actually, I'd, I want to do that. I'd like to coach. Um, you know, I did think about it. And you know what the funny thing is, is my wife made me a coaching drill book in 05, 06 with the Milwaukee Admirals old logo those pages I got some coaching pages from Claude Noel really out of his thing and we photocopied them and made a book and then it's like write some drills down so you don't forget them so I wasn't exactly writing a bunch of drills down then but I kind of like it was in the back of the head there that you know hey I'm not going to be a player forever so why not just have my bases covered in case I decide to get into coaching so I still use that drill book today to with uh an old Milwaukee Admirals uh, logo. Huh. Wow. Interesting. That's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back, looking back on that 0506 team, 
that, that lost. Uh, I mean, it's re- it's really so intertwined for you that it's all uh, that the goalie from that team, Frederick Cassivi, was the goalie for the Ducks the previous year, who you had played with, and now he's a, an American Hockey League Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, that didn't. Uh, I, I'm sure that uh, you know it's not like you were wishing him luck at that series, but you knew what kind of goalie he was coming into that. I suppose everyone did too, right? Yeah, we knew Freddie was a top AHL goalie, and um, he was a great guy. You know, like, you, you never like losing, but at least it's like a guy who cares and a guy who like, loves the game and he's a good quality person. So um, we knew it wouldn't be easy going up against Freddie. And, uh, but um, no, he's a good guy. You mentioned that next year, that 06 07 season, the year you won the Eddie Shore and the year you uh, got the exhibition game, and you got, um, you end up making your NHL debut that year too playing a couple of games yeah. in Nashville. So it it really it gave you even more the, the carrot was bigger, I guess, to chase after. Um yeah, you know, it's it's the the thing when you're playing, you're kinda you're always thinking if I could just get that one NHL game, you know, then I'll then I'll be happy. I can my career will be complete or I can go to Europe and then you finally get that NHL game and then you realize, wait a second, I can play in this league and, and I want to play in this league. So you know, it definitely opened up my eyes that I was able to do it. And then, um, you know, just that year, just having Claude Noel there, I had a lot of confidence in me. And, and my D partner, Vili Koisinen, was oh, so yeah. key to my success. Of, we just complimented each other. You know, he liked to carry, carry the puck and pass the puck. And he would hit guys sometimes. So for me, I like to, I like to pass the puck, shoot the puck, and sort of get into trouble. So it worked out really good. He would run a guy over. I could be there. He could skate the puck, pass it to me. I could shoot it. So it just, it worked out great for us as a D pair. And that really helped me a lot. How Vili uh, on the ice was, was a special player off the ice. He seemed real quiet and real, like he was driven, right? He wanted to be in the NHL. And that's just, I, I don't know. To, to me, he was not that I didn't like him. It, it just didn't yeah. seem like necessarily he was, he was, he wanted to hang out and be one of the guys necessarily. He, he had his own thing going on. Am I wrong? Yeah, in saying no, that? We had to nudge him. I think it was tough, you know. Well, and it's his first year in North America and all of that stuff. Having played, you know, you know, with a lot of guys from Europe when they, you just don't have any confidence in your English ability, talking English. So then you, you kind of go into a shell and maybe you're a quiet guy as it is. And it was a new circumstance. So we always made sure, and especially, like myself, because he's my defense partner, to try and invite him out with us and come hang out with us. And he, and uh, we ended up we were roommates on the road. And um, he eventually came out of his shell. And he was he is a good guy. It just took a little bit of time to loosen up, but he definitely was a quiet guy. I, I always had to just kind of beat it out of him to talk and beat it out of him to call for the puck and everything like that. One of the guys from Europe on that team that had really no problem uh, jumping into the conversation was Kim Stahl. Who I think anybody <laughs> anybody who played with him and they called him Bubbles, anybody yeah. who played with Kim Stahl just loved the guy, right? Yeah, he was great. I can't remember what he did. He he like shaved his head hair into like Roy Munson. Hair, you did, right? yeah. Right. I, I, yes. That's my favorite right story. The it, we yeah. the Admirals were on that Thanksgiving U.S. Thanksgiving trip. It was yeah. Toronto, Hamilton, Albany, um, somewhere else, and and the team practiced at. I don't know if it was RPI or do you remember that there was a practice a at like practice Cornell thing, or it was at Cornell or something like that. Uh, and some little uh, practice ring. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, did you shave his head? 
I was right there. Yeah, I don't know if it was me or like Klein or who, but yeah, I was definitely. In, I was probably holding the garbage can if I wasn't holding the the clipper. <laughs> but to better extent, <laughs> then I remember. Then I remember after you shave his head and he's got that ring around his head. Um, standing outside the hotel in Toronto, which was a very cosmopolitan area, and he yeah. and and getting ready to get on the bus, and I think you were standing there next to him. And he's leaning against a rail saying hello to all the ladies with his big yeah. smile on his face. It yeah, was so sure. great with that haircut yeah. and that smile. It was awesome. Oh, uh, he was a character. He was definitely fun to play with, that guy. <laughs> still, still the only Dane we've ever had on, a, uh, on, on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, right. really? Yeah. Yep, yep. The only guy right. from Denmark. That, uh, when, when you sort of look back over Admiral's history, we, we tend to group years together and we group 0304 to 0506 together and then there's a break and then you group 0607 to probably oh you know 0809 or so uh so and just meaning that there was a big a seismic change maybe in the roster or whatever but you were one of the holdovers from 0506 to 0607 gone were gamash and hadar and and finley uh and just talk about that transition the, the, between the two different teams. Obviously, Claude is still there, but it's got to be a, a totally different uh, atmosphere. Yeah, Todd Richards, Todd Richards, Todd is Richards gone is gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was the turnover of you know like the the admiral players that I kind of came up against and battled against, and uh, <clears throat> a lot of the young prospects came in now, and uh, so we kind of were handed the torch, you know, over as far as leading the team and and stuff like that. And um, like we still had Pekka in net, which yeah, he was hurt. Well, and he that was, was hurt. the year he, he got, uh, he beginning. got, he got oh, uh, uh, attacked. So Carl, right? Carl, Gar Carl Gehring and, uh, That's Scott, right. Reed and yeah. Scott Reed. And you're not going to get much of a different, uh, much more of a different uh, looking goaltender going from Pecorino <laughs> to Carl Gehring in the cage. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Carl Gehring was amazing how he could just like come out, play the angle and like everything. He was uh, he was a treat to watch him yeah. play, but um, yeah, no, we were just a young team, so it became a little more of like you know mentoring guys and trying to you know help them out in their careers and, more. And so. you're and you're you're selected as captain, uh, mm -hmm. which I've, uh, obviously is a big honor. Uh, talk about that process and how you found out. Yeah, um, I can't remember if it was a vote or how it worked or the coaches did it, but they came in and Claude gave the announcement. And I just remember the, you know, obviously how proud and how, how great it was to be named captain. But for me, it just gave me a whole new responsibility as the captain to my head in my head that year. I was like, I cannot take one day off of this season because I'm the guy expected that to lead this. everyone's looking to. Exactly. So if they're having a bad night, it's like, whatever. It's like, I can't have a bad night. That's not, not in my job description here. So it, it actually was really good for me. It pushed me, you know, on a Tuesday in Omaha to just be like, no, <laughs> we got, I got to show up here tonight. You know, uh, that Omaha barn, that Omaha barn was kind of fun, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't mind it. Yeah. That is a good I got play. called a lot of names in that ring. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of guys who are still playing, there's a guy for Omaha who just won the uh, Stanley cup. Uh, Curtis McElhenney is the oh, backup yeah. is the backup goalie yeah. in Tampa. But he's, I said to Aaron the other day, he's wearing number 35. I said, 
it, that's probably his age. He changes his number every year, but he's, here's another guy who's just started toiling in the minors and now he's, uh, now his name's on the, on the cup. It's a good segue yeah, to go really in. It's yeah. a good segue to go into your season with the cup after becoming a regular in the NHL and, and not going back to the minors for a long time, you end up in Chicago and, uh, Boy, oh boy, what a heck of a time to be in Chicago. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the lockout year. So, um, you know, obviously it was a different uh, scenario than you're used to. And um, I just remember I moved out to Chicago. Uh, we were having our first child and we were couldn't decide if we we're going to stay in Newport in California and have him or come to Chicago. And I said, you know what, let's get to Chicago. I want to get going with the new team and let's get her going. So we we were running these lockout skates and we had, uh, and Charlie and I skill. came down and visited you. Yeah. Charlie yeah. and I came and right. visited you that one right. time. Yeah. Uh, at, uh, uh, at, I can't think of the rink, what it's called. Uh, at, uh, uh, practice. Johnny's rink. Johnny's, Johnny's, yeah. 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 So, so we're doing these skates and, and it's three days a week only. And so you're working out on your own. I finally ended up getting a trainer at some gym, but I was only like an hour every other day. And I just, I was trying to push myself as hard as I could. And, and I, I felt like I was in really good shape. And I'll never forget, we go to the, the first day of, uh, when the season opens up in January and I'm skating with the Blackhawks and I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm in good shape. Like I'm in as good a shape as I've been. And I'm skating with this team and I'm like, okay, either I'm in really bad shape or this is the fastest team I've ever played on. And we didn't lose in 26 games. So I'm like, okay, this is the fastest <laughs> team I've ever played on. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. That's, that's ridiculous. Like as, as wonderful as it must have been, I'm just like, you got to be sitting there going, this can't keep going on. 20, the, the number of games that the Blackhawks did not lose. You can, every day you got to be thinking, okay, today it's almost yeah. vice versa, right? Like today's, we're going to get the win. It's like, okay, today, eventually we're going to lose. Yeah. You know what? It was the, one of the few teams that I played on where you thought no matter what the scenario was in the game, you're going to win. This game. It was like, you're down four, two going into the third. You're like, Five, it's going to be five, four Hawks. We're going to win this one. And, and then the one thing I remember after that is when we did lose that streak, um, so we'd either come back and win every game, but when we lost that year, we would just get blown out. It would be like 7-1 loss. Like it would be no, no contest. So it was a strange year, but it was just we all – it was some, some like hidden or un, uh, unsaid belief that we were always just going to come back and win the game that year. That's awesome. Is that fostered uh, because it happens a couple of times, or is that just a belief that you have from January 1 or whenever that season began that year? Yeah, it's got to be, you know, partly a little bit of everything. You know, I think we realized we played the, we played the Kings, I think, first game, and they were still in the cup hangover, camps. and we just, yeah, and we're like, boom, skating circles around them. And we kind of got going and we're looking like, okay, we have some good players here. We're in good shape. We're ready to go. And then our, our coach Quenville there, just, he had a lot of confidence like that. Like, you know, like that he had the swagger and the confidence that helped with the team and push the team. So we just had that swagger the whole time. It was that nobody was going to stop us. Yeah. And, and you guys, and, and obviously you go on to win the cup. Uh, talk about your day with the cup. What did you, what did you get to, do with it uh and you know were you bad did you take it back home uh and some good story do you have uh, any good stories from uh from that from your time with it 
Yeah. Um, well, it's a little, it's a different type of cup party, I guess, than what a lot of guys do. Cause I'm from a rural area, but, um, we picked it up in Saskatoon, which is the city like an hour and a bit from where I'm from. And I, I had my, you know, my uncles and my brothers and some couple buddies and nephew and cousin. We had a, like a shuttle bus, party bus thing, pick up the cup. We took it to University of Saskatchewan, which is where I, I trained in the summer all the time. So I just want to take it to my trainer and, you know, take a picture and all this with him and just kind of say thank you for everything. And, and then we um, took it out to Lanigan picked up some more people, some more friends. And I don't know, it's small town. It's probably not the best thing to do, but out there you're bored. So you grab some case of beer and you cruise around the back roads in the fields. And um, <laughs> we did that for a couple hours and, uh, you know, kind of basically, well, actually not then we did, we had a parade first. That's what it was. We had to do the parade. Okay, I was going to ask you, did you do a parade? I got to believe you yeah, did. We didn't go right to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. So we did a parade, which was amazing. The town set it up. My, my minor hockey league or uh, my minor hockey coach was like the, not the mayor of the town, but the town administrator. He set the whole thing up. Huge, big parade for me, which was amazing. Had a big town hall supper. Like the whole town is there, you know, you do your thing. And, uh, do the autographs and the pictures and all that stuff. And, you know, it was a great, nice warm day in August. And yeah, we took it out in the back roads. That's, that's when we get to the back roads and have our fun. And, and, uh, and then we come back to the big dance at the thing and, you know, we stopped at some other place, but I don't know. It was just great. The amount of people that came out and all these people that I grew up with and, you know, my whole and, life. And, and your, and obviously your parents who I've, I just need to, to put this on the record. You've only played in Milwaukee for two years and we meet parents all. I mean, obviously we meet a lot of parents throughout the, uh, the course, uh, or I have over 20 okay, years, season, yeah. but I always just your parents. I always remember your dad, uh, and your mom <laughs> just so nice. And so like, you know, uh, just like, but nice but also wanting to talk and uh, and, yeah. and your dad's bald head and uh, <laughs> just, just great people said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but your parents just great people that was always a pleasure to see them in Milwaukee so I'm sure that they just of course they ate it up when you have uh, when you win the Stanley Cup and bring it home oh absolutely it's you know it's not not real common in the, for the small town to get the Stanley Cup so I think everyone understood like how how great it was and you know i was just so happy to be able to take it back there and you know my arms got sore filling that thing up with beer and champagne <laughs> after the whole the whole day but we pushed that day as far as we could as as far as like as long as we could with the cup guy and i think seabrook got him after me in bc and he texted me the next day and it was like hey thanks a lot brooksy i don't know what you did to that cup guy but he's he's barely alive today <laughs> <laughs> We were trying to feed him, you know, beer and everything to keep him going. So he'd stay out with us like one more hour, you know, one more hour. <laughs> Did that silver like, guy that we always see, the keeper of the oh, cup? It wasn't the silver haired guy. It was another guy. I don't okay. want to, I don't know if I should say his name in case I get him in trouble. No, that's but, uh, okay. No, that's there, okay. A couple of years later when the cup, when the uh, uh, Hawks won it again, uh, Scott Darling was the, uh, the goalie and he had played for the Admirals the year before, two years before. And he, he got it just like, they told him basically that morning, it's like, oh, you're the rookie. 
you get the cup. You live, and he, in, well, you live in town. And you live in town. So he didn't have anybody to invite. So he invited Aaron and I and, and four <laughs> other guys. Uh, so yeah. we went and we asked the guy, we, the, the guy with him, we're like, hey, what's, who, who gets to do this? What's the deal? And I think he said, Aaron, did he say there's three guys that go around? And I thought they're... he said two. I thought he said two. But, okay, yeah. one of them is a teacher. It's who's three. just got a... yeah. yeah, there's the guy with the long hair that we always see. But then he's yeah. not doing the hard work, you know. He's just uh, he's just a camera guy, probably. But uh, uh, a yeah. couple other teachers that go around with a couple all, all the time. But that's a yeah. that'd be a heck of a job, you know. Uh, teach, very teach, interesting. Teaching social well, studies uh, during the summer and then or during the winter and in summertime. <laughs> yeah. All these. Well, and to bring it to Finland and to bring it to wherever. Right. And, and speaking yeah. of that, you you had mentioned too that you had played in Europe, but you, your first year was in was in the Russian league. How, yeah. big of, how big of a challenge was that for you? Yeah, it was, it was different. Did you bring your uh, family, by the way? Did you bring your family or did they stay home? I did. I brought them over. I, it was sort of part of before I signed, I wanted to make sure like I wasn't going over there if it was, unless it was, you know, a good team, you know, safe city and all that type of stuff. Um, Cause I, it didn't work out over here. I was going to wait it out, but then the team kept calling. So, Everything checked out that it was a good town. They live in a baza, like a, it's it's base. It means base in Russian. Everything's connected in this big, huge, gated community sort of thing. And it's like you got the rink connected to the apartments, and there's a cafeteria, and there's a huge gymnasium and swimming pool and gym and all this stuff. There's even a little hotel there, and there's just this big, huge area. Like I don't know how many acres it would be, and their team lives there, so it was safe. And there's a kids' playroom and all this stuff. So it actually was a really good setup. Um, you know, it was tough because my NHL career ended. I was a little bit sour because that was over. I, and I tried to enjoy Russia as much as I could. And it was a great experience. And they, they ran the team really well there. It's, it's still Russia. There's still some details that they need to, to figure out in their, in their way of life, I think. But it was a great experience. And it took the people a little bit of time to warm up to you, being a, a Western as yeah. a Westerner, I was wondering what the what the what the prejudices would be that that you would have to deal with being a foreigner in Russia. Yeah, well, you know they're they're a little sour. You're taking a job from one of their young Russian boys, and sure. and you know over here, and my wife included, myself included, you walk by someone, sometimes you flash them a little smile and say hi, good morning. You know what I mean? And they look at that as an insincere, fake Western smile, kind of when you do okay. that. So they, they kind of are like really cold to you, but then eventually we built a relationship with them, you know, the staff at the, at the Baza and whatever else. And is they take you in with open arms, you know, like once they get to know you. So yeah. they just have a lot of tradition and, and stuff sure. like that, but different customs and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but it was awesome. You know, I, I ordered the caviar. I got the caviar. I drank some of the vodka. I took, I took in the whole experience as much as I borscht? could. Did you do borscht? Oh yeah, love borscht. Now yeah, ate a little really? borscht. Oh yeah, ate, did all that stuff. Yeah, dive right in. And I then said, you hey, finish... I'm, here, I'm doing it. And then the next year you go, you you didn't go back to Russia. Did you bring your family yeah. with you to the next place too? Yeah, I went to Finland, a small, small northern town, and it was it was great. It was, it reminded me sort of a back home here in Saskatchewan. You know, slower pace, and the Finns. Everyone speaks English, so it's 
super easy over there. You could, I could, if you got stuck in that town, I could live there the rest of my life, no problem. Did you have a, did you have uh, a sauna in your house? I did. Yes, yep. I actually lived. I actually lived in Auntie Ranta's house because I played. With oh, him did you there. really? So, yeah, and he was from that town. But yes, a little sauna. It was, it was actually great. You'd go play with your kids out in the snow, and then we'd take a family sauna. It's like, and I realized saunas don't have to be scorching hot. They could just be set at, you know, eighty degrees. degrees or whatever. Yeah. Or if you came out on a winter day, come into a nice eighty degrees, it toast you up perfectly. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, we did that all the time, and it was great. The Finns just live their life outside every day. And, and they and the world. Do you, have a, do you have a sauna in your place now? No, I I should. I have a steam shower, but I. You know, I Nolan, I would... Nolan Nolan Yankman is is all about the saunas, right? Yanks yeah. is all about. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's, the uh, well, you should look up uh, when you have a chance. Look up uh, the world. Uh, uh, sauna championships uh, uh, oh, on YouTube where like, no kidding, like a guy pretty much died doing it a couple of years ago because they, they crank it up to like 220 and who can last the longest. And this guy basically just, just he died. Well, not just died. He did die. Oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't from, sound like it would end well. No, no, no definitely <laughs> not. not good. Yanni Niskola was on that team, by the way, when you're in Finland. Yeah. Who, yeah. We talked about that. He, you know, after you left, he was the defense leading defenseman scorer. Right. Uh, yeah. Milwaukee after the year after you were here. So yeah, he's still a good player over there. And he, uh, he invited me over and made us, he invited the imports over and made us some Buffalo wings and some lager beer. I was like, thanks God. <laughs> Here's something it's for like, you guys. Like yeah. 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 No, no reindeer and whatever else over there. Yeah. I, I think, I believe Niskala played on the, uh, on the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for Finland, and yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Koistinen did too, as well. Uh, at some point over in the, in the last few years, or world champions for sure. Yeah, world championships yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so you find yourself as an assistant coach in Rockford, probably just like thinking, okay, here's you know, I'm sure you, every, everybody has like thoughts of, okay, how is this going to play out in my career? What, no matter what you're yeah. doing, whether it's myself or Aaron, I'm sure you never thought to yourself that you're going to go from assistant coach in the American hockey league to assistant coach in the NHL, basically like that. Uh, so go take, take us through that process. And uh, especially you're getting the, you're getting the job for the guy you basically, cause the guy you play for is fired. Yeah, no, it, um, yeah, it was strange. You know, your career ends and um, just to how it began, you know, you kind of decide, okay, what am I going to do? I knew I wanted to stay in hockey. So, I call all these GMs and email all these GMs and a lot of them get back to you, but I, I will never forget the two guys, two, two of some of the coaches that I, or uh, GMs that I talked to that called me back instantly and took time to talk to me was David Poyle and Ray Shiro. They both took the time to talk to me on the phone and say, congrats on your career and everything. I just will never forget that of just the quality of people those guys are. But um, anyways, um, the Blackhawks bring me back and um, yeah. Did you know Jeremy? Did you know Jeremy well, Colleton ahead of time? And on top of that, and, and on top of that, um, did you have an idea whether it was coaching or scouting or, or anything like that or player development or you, any, yeah. you would have taken anything? I would have taken anything. Um, I knew deep down and I told most everyone I talked to, like when I was looking for a job that I'd probably be better suited as a coach. 
I would take anything you have. I could, you know, I feel like I could help you in any way, but I think I would be better suited as a coach. And, you know, and to just to get back to the, the path, not going how you expect when they did hire me, the president, the former president of the Blackhawks, John McDonough, I'll never forget. He told me, well, congratulations on the job. And just so you know, however you think it's going to unfold, it's not going to like, so if you <laughs> think you have a plan, like how Charlie was saying, and he wasn't telling me that like, he didn't know this was going to happen, best, but best yeah, of course. Plans. Yeah. Best laid plans. Yeah. So, and then, um, yeah, next thing you know, we're coaching, we have a good year and all of a sudden, uh, you know, they make changes up in Chicago and here I am thrown into the fire and there we go. How, how different is it or how, how weird is it to coach with coach guys that you won, you won the cup with them in 2013 and now yeah. you're coaching Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook and Jonathan Taves and, and Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane and yeah. Crawford, I mean, all of these guys, right? I mean, it, it, yeah, that's, it's not something that a lot of people get to do. No, it's not. You know, it's, it is different. You, you have a relationship, you still have the friend relationship and then you have the coach relationship, you know? So I try and, you know, toe the line a little bit of keeping it, you know, professional, but, uh, you can definitely chirp each other a little more because you, you know each other on a more personal them. level. But at the same time, we've had some battles back and forth. You know, like we respect – we have enough respect for each other and we know each other well enough where if we do butt heads, it's not a deal breaker and our relationship's over. I hate this guy for the rest of my life. It's kind of like, hey, we both want the same thing. Sometimes you're going to butt heads like you would with your brother. Right. And then the next day you just pick it up, you know, pick up the pieces and go move forward. So yeah, it the definitely job has it's, it's a job, right? The job is the yeah. job. You're all, you're all pulling the same direction. Exactly. Yeah. So what, what are you, what are your responsibilities? Uh, do you, are you a, take the D because you were a D? Do you help with the forward? What do you, how, how, yeah. do you, how are your responsibilities broken down? Yeah, I've been, um, I'm doing the D so I, I run the D door and then uh, the penalty kill. Those are my two babies right there. And, um, yeah, it's great. It's, you know, it's where I feel most valuable, you know, that's, sure. sort of where you made your NHL money, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's usually I mean, Ed, how they do it. Yeah. Eddie Shore award, you know, leading points for, for a, a defenseman aside in that, in that one season in the NHL, you were out there, you weren't on the power play. You were out no. uh, shorthanded. Yeah, exactly. So that's where I feel like it helped, you know, the team the most and, and when in coaching, everybody helps each other on the same team. So it's not like sure. just one guy's, you know, making the decisions like it's the gospel on everything. So it's like we all help each other in there. But my main responsibilities are the D and the penalty kill. You mentioned earlier that uh, being in the bubble and bumping into people, how, how strange was that bubble? And do you think that it could happen during the regular season in some fashion? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think the players would go for it in the regular season. Yeah. Um, I thought the NHL did a good job. To be honest with you, I thought it was great. <clears throat> they played the hand they had. They they um, they set it up the best they could with not knowing, having never been down this road before. And, you know, we were there for hockey. It's the playoffs. You're not really going anywhere anyways. You go to the rink. You go to the hotel. There's not much more to do other than you miss not being at home because that's where you get your time with your family and outside. But 
circumstances, I thought they did a great job. And it was probably tough for those guys who went up, did the distance to the finals. But I, I think it was totally fine by me. So did you go right from the bubble then back, uh, back home or back to Saskatchewan? Or did you come back to Chicago first? No. Um, my two sister-in-laws live in Edmonton. And my right. family was up here, so they were coming up to visit anyways, and uh, hoping I wouldn't be out. And we had a camp; they had a camping trip uh, planned out in the in like the Rocky Mountains out there. So they had to make room for one more guy when I showed up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like they kick you out of the bubble, they open the gates, and they kick you out, and that's it. And they close and them behind you, and you're gone. Yeah. yeah, so you didn't go back to Chicago and then back up because that would have been more of a challenge, I assume, because of the uh, the difficulty crossing right the border. I would have had the two-week quarantine. So so I was able just to step out and live my life. So yeah, like we've said a couple of times, you're, you're up right now um, uh, in Humboldt. And the NHL, as we're recording this, the NHL draft is going on. So what's, what kind of duties do you have as far as the draft goes? Or is it just you see what's – available do you give any input to how does how that work yeah i i don't really have any responsibilities with the draft they have you know the gms and the scouts and, the wade, and they have the wade brook banks of the world your brother exactly. who's a scout if for the wade, blackhawks if wade would just get us some players and we can coach them you know <laughs> <laughs> <That's Yeah. right. laughs> no, you yeah. can't you can't say that too loud. He might break your uh, your bubble hockey game or your your food. Yeah, exactly. Or so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. so yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you look back uh, as we wrap this up, I don't know, Charlie, if you had anything else you wanted to. No, touch I was going to go. This is where I was going to go as well. Yeah, as as we look back and and until just not long ago, we saw you rather frequently in Milwaukee still, which was great. Um, what do you, when you think of your two seasons in Milwaukee and your times in Milwaukee, what, what comes to, what, what state, what really stands out for you? Um, you know what, Milwaukee was honestly one of the most important stops in my career. It was sort of where I really took a step. You know, I was, I was always, you know, a sort of a skilled guy, like most guys are, you know, in junior and wherever and the leagues I came in power play. And then I kind of, in Anaheim, I, I was sort of trying to survive that other guys. And I was starting to get labeled a little bit as like just a tough guy, stay at home defenseman, which is how I made the NHL. I get that. But um, my stop in Milwaukee, you know, with guys like Todd Richards and Claude and Lane Lambert working with me and helping with me, they instilled a lot of confidence in me and my abilities and put me in the situations. And it's where I really took a big step in my career as far as becoming a player. And I think maybe showing the the hockey world that I was more than just a sort of a just a stay-at-home tough guy defenseman that I could actually play the game and make a pass. And that was really key for me to sort of get my name on the map for something else other than, you know, fighting and cross-checking and stuff like that. So it was a huge, huge stop for me. And, um, yeah, I'm forever grateful of my time in Milwaukee. And I just love the city itself. Like, you know, blue-collar city, drink a beer, watch some sports. It's my type of place. Eat a bratwurst, can't beat it. <laughs> I, I love the fact that you that you didn't limit it to fighting, that you threw in cross-checking. Cross that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. That. Hey, that's part of my part of my coaching strategy. I I've I may or may not have told Swedish some Swedish defensemen to take a penalty in front of our net. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it's, oh, great, I lost. it's great to see you, Brookie. Uh, continued success. Uh, best of luck yeah. uh, this year with the Hawks. Um, hopefully they get going. The whole thing gets going really soon. Uh, stay well, the best to your family. And uh, we uh, can't wait to, to cheer for you once you get back behind the bench. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, and uh, take care, and good luck to you. Hopefully we'll see you guys soon as well. Very good. Sheldon Brookbank, uh, Eddie Shore winner, Stanley Cup champion, and now an assistant coach with the Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Milwaukee Admiral Podcast.